I get there. St. Matthew, 25th chapter. He's my water boy, and I guess he thinks I'm too lazy to get my own water. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. They that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. What, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh? Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask you to breathe upon it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not going to attempt tonight, being old and lazy as I am, to cover this message with such things as what type of lamps and vessels, where the virgins were at the time, and who the virgins were at the time, and who made the midnight track. These would all make good teaching series. But I want to take just a few moments tonight, or a few hours, whatever, to uh, show the difference and also the similarities between the wise and the foolish. And you need to keep in mind that this is talking about Christians, not someone that, that never knew God. Let us point out the differences and some of the similarities you follow along with me with the ten virgins. All took their lamps. All lamps were burning when they went forth. Outwardly, there was no difference in these individuals other than the fact that the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Notice the scripture, the foolish took no oil. Now, while we was in Jerusalem, they showed us possibly what those lamps would be like. They were lamps which had a place for the oil, and also off to the side there was a vessel that also could be filled in case of having to wait longer than they thought or walk a longer distance than they thought maybe they'd have to walk. So they were all combined together, other than it was not always the case where they just filled both. So what is this saying to us? It's an old scripture. It's uh, a couple of thousand years old, and Jesus was talking, and he was not talking just to hear his head rattle and not talking just to fill a book. He was trying to relay something that was serious, something that individuals all down through the ages should have uh, taken responsibility for. And if there's any, any scripture in the Bible 
that ought to cause individuals to think and ought to get their mind on God as it ought to be, it's the scripture. But after almost 50 years in the ministry, I'm really wondering what does it take to get some people's mind on God and what he has to say. I mean, used to be you could really dig down into the scriptures and dig around the roots of individuals and it would change them. I mean, they would see some of their failures and their mistakes and they would redouble their efforts to be better Christians and do better than what they were doing, but anymore they, individuals are hard to challenge. I've taken myself to task at a lot of times as to what does it take to really dig into the life of individuals and challenge them as to their responsibility here on this earth. And uh, I realize it doesn't all fall on there to individuals. There must be something missing somewhere that causes individuals to fail to realize that God does issue a challenge, and when he does, he expects it to move up into our spirit where we do something else. So this is saying something to us. It's simply saying that it's not enough to have been once enlightened or once have known the truth. We dare not put our trust entirely on our initial experience. And there are individuals that had a genuine initial experience with God. They have repented of their sins. They have been baptized in the name of Jesus. The foundation stones have been laid, and they've received the Holy Ghost in their life. And they have enjoyed the presence of a living God. But these are initial experiences, something we received with joy and we shouted about. But it's not enough to have been once enlightened. I have once received the power of God. I have once joyed in what we have in God. It's not enough, and we cannot simply make the journey on an initial experience. The foolish virgins went forth with wives to meet the bridegroom. They had their lamps. They were not empty lamps. They were not in the dark. They were all burning brightly. But the journey being longer, the waiting period, being longer perhaps than they suspected, they took no oil with them. Now this is saying to us that they all had been partakers of the Holy Ghost. It's not individuals, and I've heard it ministered, that these were individuals that had not received the Holy Ghost, but I have to take issue with that. They had been made partakers of the Holy Ghost. They were counted as virgins. They seemed to be living Christian lives. They had made some progress. But however, in study, the foolish took no extra oil with them, only that in which their lamps helped to start with. They acted as if their lamps, once lighted, would burn forever. They had not stored up for future use. They did not have, and this is the basic foundation point of it all, they did not have in their lives the renewing of the Holy Ghost, a refreshing of that precious precious gift that God gave us, some of us 30 years ago, some of us 10, some of us 20 years ago, and some of us 50 years ago, they did not have a renewing of that, a restoring of that power inside of them. 1 Corinthians 4, 6 says, though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I take that to mean a restoring of the Holy Ghost in our life. Uh, allowing it to challenge us as to a daily walk of life. Ephesians 4.23 says, Put off the old man and be renewed in the spirit 
of your mind. There again is a renewing. I don't have time to go into all of them, but it would be a good Bible study if you would look at how many times the Apostle Paul in his writings, as well as Peter, talks about renewing. Now, renewing, what does that mean? That means establishing something again, renewing something again, allowing that thing within you to be renewed, to give you the same power, breathe the same fresh air of Almighty God as you did when you first seen it or first felt it. Colossians 3.10 says, And having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that was created in him, there needs to be a renewing of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, we first found good things in the Word of God when we first came to him. I wouldn't ask you to hold up your hand, but how many times then has the vibrancy of the Word of God just simply darkened for us? If we were really honest with ourselves, the life that we felt when we first become acquainted with God and walked with Him, and the vibrancy of that sometimes has diminished, and we don't find what we used to find in reading the Word of God. We don't find what we used to find in uh, our prayer life anymore. There's a sinister force moving within our life. Sometimes it keeps us off our knees. But the Bible consistently says there must be a renewing in our life. There must be a continual restoration of that which first got a hold of you in the beginning. So you see, you cannot go on with an initially experience. There has to be a growth in Jesus Christ. And these individuals' lamps burned brightly for a time. Everything seemed well, but they had not brought their crews of oil to resupply their lamps, and for what reason, we don't know. When I looked at it, I thought, well, a lot of reasons, I suppose, why. Maybe they thought uh, that this was enough. Maybe they thought the time was closer than what it really was. And we really can't pinpoint a reason as to why with the other ten, other five virgins, we can't figure out why they did not take a supply of oil and resupply their lamps when the time comes. But the foolish virgins seem to be like the seed that was sown on stony ground. They heard the words, and they received it with joy. Nevertheless, the Bible says they didn't have any root. They were lacking in perseverance and watchfulness. They didn't keep in mind that the bridegroom may come any minute, and yet they may be a long delay. And I'm serious when I say this. I'm really concerned about some lives at the coming of the year 2000 where we have... Uh, in religious circles have almost assured individuals that at the end of the year 2000, Jesus will be here or before or a little after. And I'm a little bit concerned about what's going to happen to individuals and also uh, the fact that, uh, you know, you just go ahead and do what you want to do, live or receive the Holy Ghost, and some of these days before anything real bad happens, why Jesus is going to come and zap you out of this world and all that happens to you is not going to mean anything because you're going to be gone. And that is a false notion, and one of these days we might be able to deal with that. But there's always a need of perseverance in the power of God. There's always a need of watchfulness. Realizing, Brother Donnie said it, who knows when God is going to come and snatch you out? Who knows about that? I can't say that he's going to come tomorrow. There's a whole lot of things yet to happen. But we are finding as we walk daily in this Christian life, 
that a lot of individuals that started their daily walk with God with vibrancy and walking in the light have now failed in their walking with God. They're not persevering anymore. They're not watchful anymore. Uh, it seems like that they underestimated how long it was going to be before the bridegroom came. And there was a need in their life and a need in ours for a daily preparation. That is daily keeping, keeping ourselves ready to meet Jesus Christ. Now, of course, many of us say, well, I, I'm saved and that's all there is to it. But the Bible, that won't hold water, saints. The Bible talks about a daily preparation, a getting ready, a searching your vessel, a finding out what your life really is, and a constant watchfulness for his coming. The Bible says the wise took oil in their vessel. They knew it wasn't safe to uh, trust in the first excitement of the first experience. They also knew that past experiences, regardless of how good they were and how precious they were, was not enough. They knew that, and so they came prepared for a way to renew their supply of oil, so to speak, or anointing when this supply seemed to run out. They built it on their past experience, and we could too, and we ought to, but we ought to have an eye to the future. We ought to thank God for the time when we met him at an altar prayer someplace, and we felt the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse us from all sin and iniquity, of the joy we received when we went down with baptism in the name of Jesus and took on that precious name. And what an experience when the Holy Ghost come into our life and we spoke in tongues and there was a joy there. And that was a past experience. We need a joy in our salvation every day, all right? And we cannot have it in our past experiences. Things just kind of fade away and uh, the world gets worse and worse. And as it becomes worse and worse, we need to become better and better in Jesus. So here's a lesson for us. Past experiences are good, and they are precious when you can't live in the past, okay? You can rejoice about what God has done, but you've got to understand that there's other things in our life that is so desperately needed, such as a renewing of that anointing and renewing of that power. How do we get that through prayer and perseverance and watchfulness and asking God to reveal to us times and things that are not as they ought to be in their life? They sought in persevering prayer, and these individuals had daily self-denial. It wasn't a self-denial that happened three times a week or once a week, whatever when you go to the house of God, but is a daily self-denial. I know a lot of us deny ourselves when we come into the house of God. Some don't, but others deny themselves of things that they could do. But what we're talking about is at home. Whenever you're need, when there's a need in our life, there ought to be prayer, persevering prayer. I could ask us if we pray like we used to, and I'm sure if you were honest, we'd get the answer that no, we do not. So you see, there needs to be a renewing, something inside of us that focuses on Jesus Christ and says, I've got to persevere. The end is not yet. I don't know when it is, but I don't want to make this journey. And right at the last moment, I won't be able to have my light lighted where I can make the journey. So you see, the wise knew that. And so 
not knowing really how long they were going to have to wait in the darkness for the bridegroom to come. They daily stirred up the Holy Ghost inside of them and daily felt the presence of a living God. Now there's just one way in our day and hour to stir up the presence of God in our life and that is through anointed prayer. I mean, if you really want to get in touch with that same feeling that you had when the Holy Ghost come into your life, get in fervent prayer with God and you'll see that same stirring inside of us. Let's just glorify God and let us walk toward those things God wants us to walk toward. They didn't challenge nor disobey the Holy Spirit as lawful Christians do. They treasured in their hearts that sacred gift. They understood the Holy Ghost was sacred. They understood that Jesus suffered, bled, died, buried, rose again, and that gift was a sacred gift. It was Jesus Christ himself. It was God's power inside of them. And they treasured that enough that they could keep that burning in their spirit and burning in their heart. And all of those things that others would not have, they would have. Now notice the wise virgins were always striving to grow in grace. Grow in grace. To walk in the spirit. To be mindful and obey the things of the spirit. To be ever filled with refreshings of the Holy Ghost to increase in the Holy Ghost teaching more and more. And we have to treasure in this day and hour the sacred oil, the divine anointing, and we must seek it daily, renewing in our heart and life. I don't know about you, but sometimes in the misery of this world, I get lonesome for a stir of the Holy Ghost in my life. I, I, I get miserable sometimes, and I have to seek God someplace off to myself and say, God, I've got to have a renewing of the Spirit. I can't make it otherwise. I've got to have something to flood my soul and a good prayer life, a good anointed time with God will bring renewings in our life. And the Bible says the bridegroom tarries. I don't understand the tearing part of the bridegroom. I don't understand other than there's a whole lot of things Jesus said had to happen and they're happening so fast. I think it's catching a lot of Christians off guard because we're not mindful of what is happening. You see, Jesus told us to be ever alert. He told us to be ever watching. Of course, it's not only the minister's uh, uh, a duty to show that to you. The Word of God will talk to you if you read it and if you'll study it and if you'll look around the world and be alert about what's happening in the world. It will let you know that there are certain things Jesus has to fulfill and it is past coming to an end. Jesus has to come very soon. I can't set a date. But the coming of Jesus at that time that is talking about, and maybe our day, was not as near as people in past generations had thought. You've seen individuals that, that look for Jesus to come. And a lot of individuals, because he didn't come right when they thought in their lifetime, they lost hope, and uh, they just simply did not renew that precious gift inside of them, and they fell away. While others, although Jesus did not come in their time, my father always thought that Jesus would come in his time, and he always had a certain place in a graveyard where he wanted to be standing when Jesus come to watch his father and mother and all those that went on before him, and sometimes he would almost stake his life on the fact that he would be standing here when Jesus came. 
Well, as doubt begins to creep in and Jesus had not come and his days were getting shorter and shorter, he still got a hold of the horns of the altar and he still stayed true to God. In other words, there was a renewing of the Spirit inside of him that said if he doesn't come while I'm alive, he will come and I'm going to die and be in the grave so I can raise again to meet him in the air. And so that was waiting on Jesus Christ. You see, much is happening in our world and uh, the time of waiting seems so long. There's periods of time where there's distress and you wonder, God, what are you waiting on? And it's much longer than those individuals thought it would be, uh, the, the ten virgins, and it's the same thing today. And the first excitement has passed away. And some had left their first love. The love of many, the Bible says, is growing cold. That brings a drowsiness and a sleep kind of sets in. But we ought to live our lives as men and women waiting for the Lord. Now, a lot of you tonight know what it's like for sleep to set in. Amen. Uh, but you've got to understand there is a reality. We're here tonight to learn how to stand when this world is going down. We're here tonight to understand we don't want to make a trip and hear that voice that says, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him, and find ourselves unprepared to be able to walk that place without any light to guide us. So you see, the house of God is important. The study of God's word is important. Uh, the revelation of God's word is important. Our prayer life is important. Our Bible study is important. Everything about this is important to be ready when Jesus comes. To not just have to go so far and then not be able to go any farther. We need our loins girded. We need our lamps burning. We need an extra cruise of oil in constant readiness for Jesus Christ to come. Should he come for us tomorrow? Whether Donnie asked that question, if he's going, you had a year to live. What if he was going to come tomorrow? What if somebody said, okay, it's going to be a year from now, and he's going to come, what would we do? I believe there would be a readiness. I believe there would be a preparation. I believe we would try to start getting rid of all this stuff that hangs on us and seems to value so much, and we'd be putting that aside, and we'd be getting ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. But who knows when he's going to come for us? And will he, even though filled with the Spirit, baptized in his name, feeling the forgiveness of sins in times past, will he find us ready when he comes? And should he come shortly, and he is, the lives of many, their lights would have burned low. And then there is a midnight cry. Long-expected bridegroom is coming. Now, I want you to notice he has not come. This is a wake-up call. This is a call that goes before. Maybe that call is sounding now. I don't know. I think it'll get louder and louder. But I think there's a wake-up call being sounded in our church world today. Not in all churches, but I think for the most part, saints are getting wake-up calls about the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ about the readiness of it. And notice the long-expected bridegroom is coming, and he's coming in all of his splendor, and he's coming in all of his glory. This is a wake-up call that says he's coming, he's on his way. Now, I don't know how long it was before he came. 
Amen. I don't have the slightest idea. We get the idea that there's a midnight cry and then here Jesus is coming and everything is all right. But it was a midnight cry and all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and notice all heard the cry sounded. In other words, nobody is going to be left without a challenge. Everybody heard the midnight cry. Now we think of the midnight cry of everybody just rousing up Everybody just changing their lifestyle just like that, but it's not so. I don't know how long the midnight cry is going to last. I don't know whether it's going to be a year, two years, five years, but I do know that probably it's beginning to sound now in some churches. I think it's beginning to sound in Bird's Eye Pentecostal Church that there is a need to rouse ourselves in the essence of Almighty God and stir our spirit and heart and get back to some basics in this thing that used to move us and motivate us that has long since seemed to have died out. Is that too hard? I think we need to be challenged by that. I think there needs to be an establishment of some basic principles in our life to make us understand that God really is not satisfied with our everyday walk of life even though He loves us. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't bother with the saints. And if your pastor didn't love you, he'd just let you skip merrily along and do what you want to do the way you want to do it. But the Bible will not allow it. And so here in the midnight hour, now that has to be, the Bible says, midnight is supposed to be the darkest hour of any 24-hour period. So however you want to put that, evidently the cry was made at one of the darkest hours uh, for Christians that we had ever saw. Now all you've got to do to realize how dark that is is to look back through the dark ages and look back through the times when individuals were slaughtered for the Word of God and look back at the times when no, no, very few of them recanted but some did because it was a dark hour. Why wasn't Jesus here when they throwed him to the lions? Why, where was Jesus when they burned him at the stake and all of this? It took perseverance, daily walks with God, a daily experience with God for them to experience and go through this and still not deny God. You ought to read Fox's Book of Martyrs sometimes if you think that we're so extra special that we'll not receive any of these things. You see, you can't read it all at once. In fact, it's hard for you to read it but three or four things at a time because you see individuals there that have been given a chance to deny Jesus Christ. They wanted to snuff out this very precious thing that you and I have tonight that we sit in the comforts and confines of our house and in our churches sometimes unconcerned they wanted this thing to continue and so rather than to recant rather than to deny that Christianity was anything uh, rather than to deny Jesus Christ as being the all power sometimes they were beheaded thrown into the lions and while they were there they prayed and they agonized with God and there had to be saints there had to be something supernatural come into those lives or they wouldn't be able to handle that. They were human the same as we. But what was supernatural? The renewing of the power of the Holy Ghost in their life that took away some feelings and fear. Normal human beings cannot be burned at a stake and still while the flames are devouring them, still look up and thank God and have victory in Jesus Christ. Normal human beings can't do that. But individuals with a renewing of their experience can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. 
And we need to understand there could be a time and a day in our life where persecution is far greater than what we've ever seen. Mentally, it's strong. Yes, it is. Mentally, it will destroy you if you let it. And it will, and it is with a lot of people, except for the renewing of the Holy Ghost inside of us. A perseverance that says, I've got a hold of it, and I won't turn loose of it. It's going to see me through. And the wise virgins had that. They arose, trimmed their lamps. They heard the cry. He's coming. We don't know how long it's going to be. Don't have any idea how long it was, but it wasn't just immediately. And they all trimmed their lamps. And this is talking about individuals who had known God in various degrees of His great love and of His power and of His mercies. And if you don't think that is possible, look around you at churches that used to be filled to the brim of individuals shouting the glory of God, of individuals standing around with windows open, testifying and seeing the power of a holy God. And then check just a few years later down the line, and you see most churches half empty or maybe even left. What happened to those individuals at one time shouted the glory of God? What happened? Well, they didn't have any root in themselves. They didn't realize you couldn't live over that initial experience. It wasn't enough to shout in the Holy Ghost. It wasn't enough to speak in tongues in the Holy Ghost. It wasn't enough to dance and shout in the Holy Ghost. There had to be something way down deep inside that when the shout was gone and the speaking in tongues was gone, something that was way down inside that would put our feet on a solid rock and refuse to be moved. That's a renewing. That's a continual renewing ourselves with Jesus Christ every day. There was a difference. The foolish then saw the need of the vessels they had left or ignored. There will come a time when individuals is going to see that when they sat under the inspiration of God and when they sat under the Word of God and when it dug deep into their spirit and they still ignored it, Warnings and teachings they had heard, but they hadn't heeded. Cries from the ministers and other individuals about being faithful to God and other things that they had not applied to their life. They're going to understand the importance of what it means to have their vessel full. Not just the initial experience, but something else that built upon the initial experience, a foundation. You see... When the time come to rise now and go, now where they had to go, what they had to do, I'm not going to get into that, but they rose and they trimmed their lamps and they had no light. In other words, in that treacherous time of darkness, to finish their journey, they did not have the light to finish their journey. And in the treacherous times that is coming, Initial experience will not be enough. There needs to be some enlightenment of the Holy Ghost, some power inside, some stored up things of teaching that will come into our computer up here and say, well, I was there. I remember what that individual said. I stored that inside. I did that. And it causes the lamp to light, vessels that are poured in and we light again. But those individuals could not make the trip over that rough, dark terrain because they didn't have any light to make it in. In other words, there wasn't any guidance of the Holy Ghost. There wasn't any teaching stored up inside. 
There wasn't any effectual fervent prayer inside. There wasn't any Bible study inside. There wasn't any storing up of what God had to say had it going to take to make it through even into the end. You see what the Bible is trying to tell us? When it come to the time where he said to behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Dark time. A weary time. A hard time. If there ever was a time anybody would need light, it would be at that time. And the Bible says they were all nodding off. They were all slumbering and sleeping. And sometimes when I, uh, when I look at us, we're kind of drowsy with the thing. But we are doing our best to store up. We're doing our best to be conscious of what is being said. We're doing our best to understand that we can't just walk daily however we want to. That our initial experiences 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, it's not enough. We have to have some teaching, something stirring in our heart, something inside of our heart. And so they, at that time in their distress, cry out to their pastor or brothers or sisters, and notice the wailing cry, Give us of your oil as our lamps have gone out. Now what they've got to understand, and each one of us, we can do the best we can, but it's going to come a time when it's going to take everything that we have got to be able to make it in ourselves. And we, of course, we can't give them the sacred oil. It's a sacred oil. And they have to have it in their own vessel. No man can save another man's soul. Only God can save us. He's the only one. Others cannot buy that precious oil for us. If we could, I would get it and pour it out on everybody I come in contact with and say, here, you need this. But I can't buy it for them. I can't pay their price for them. I can only pay the price for myself. You see, and it does not say they were not able to attain oil or not. I don't know about this, but I doubt it. See, they were sent again. They have to buy their own oil through their prayers, through their weeping and through their repentance, and through their own sacrifice and obedience. That's the way that you get the sacred oil. They were told to go and were those that buy and sell. And they were obedient this time. They went. And doesn't say again whether they was able to attain the oil or not. I doubt it because the day of, of grace and mercy was almost over. But nevertheless, the Bible goes on to say, when they returned, the door was shut. Now this was a new thing. The door had always been open. Now I don't want to shake everybody up, but it doesn't seem to matter too much anymore because we are used to the door being open. Whenever we want to come to God, Whenever in our failings and in our doubts and fears and our unstable ways of walking with God, we just come to God and the door is open because he said it would be. But this is a new thing. They come and the door is shut. And it wouldn't make any difference how much I wanted that door to be open. Say I had a loved one out there, a friend or something that I had worked with all this time. And all at once, here he is, he's willing and he's there. And he's knocking on the door. The Bible says, and the door was shut. And the Bible also says they were not allowed into the feast. Now, why were they not allowed? Because they had failed in their calling. Anybody else does. Or regardless of what anybody else says. 
or regardless of what anybody else thinks, are prepared to stay with it until Jesus comes. Are prepared to stay in the darkness and have our lamps ready and have vessels that are filled with oil. Have an ample supply of whatever it takes to endure the present hour. To wake up in that time of darkness and light our lamp and know that we took our teachings and know we took our prayers and know by the renewing of the Holy Ghost inside of us, know we're going to have what it takes to make that final last trip into the kingdom of Almighty God. To know that without a shadow of a doubt. And friend, this is what this is trying to say. Now I don't know in closing whether that means they were lost or whether they just missed the joy of the wedding feast. You'll have to decide that, but I wouldn't want to miss either of them. I wouldn't want to... I wouldn't want to be lost. And there's such precious things that's going to happen at the wedding feast when Jesus comes. And there's so many strange things uh, in this thing that I really don't have time to cover uh, this time. But this was just something to throw out to you and just ask you, are you ready for the long haul? Are you ready for the rough time, rougher than what you have saw now? Are you ready to make the trip? Are you ready to understand that there'll come a time when you can't help anybody else? There'll come a time when all you can do is light your own lamp, refill it with the substance that you have, that you've gathered up yourself, and you're not being selfish, but it's going to take everything you've got to walk in that darkest hour until the time when Jesus Christ appears on the scene from heaven with a shout and a voice of an archangel and the Bible says we rise to meet Him in the air. And while we rejoice, there will be others who have weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth that had the same opportunity with the same initial experience that you had that failed to make it through the last hour. It's a serious thing, saints, when we really look upon what God is doing and what God is saying to us. It's a serious thing, and God has challenged us all throughout the Bible that there'll be tough times ahead. That's not going to be all joy and jumping and hooping and shouting, and, and these individuals that thrive on that is going to be lost unless they find something more in-depth than what there is. Because you can't shout your way in, you can't speak in tongues your way in, you can't run the aisles your way in. There must have a complete renewing. There is, there is now. But there's going to be times when you don't feel like shouting, Where's God? Still inside. Renewing. Renewing. Find some place and renew your experience with Him. Where's God during the dark hours? Find some place and get a renewing of your mind and realize He's just like He always was through testing and trials and times of heartache and tears and times when values seem like nothing and times when you're put down for having the values that you have and holding fast to the old fogey notions and ideas that you have and understand the need of assembling yourselves together and even the more so as you see a day approaching and understanding the need of prayer and perseverance and understanding the need of storing up those things that you hear that's going to get you in to the blessed kingdom of God. What a privilege it is to open up and read the Bible and we hear Almighty God saying, 
I'm talking to you. I'm trying to reach you. I'm loving you. I care about you. I want you to be able to make it in. Now we have an opportunity, and now we have a privilege to challenge somebody else's life and have a privilege to help them move them in. But we can never give them this precious, precious gift of anointing, this precious renewing. We can't do that. They have to do that themselves. And they have to want to do that themselves. And they have to be hungry enough to do that themselves. But friend, we can't make anybody else feel hungry unless we experience the hunger pains ourselves. We can't change anybody else's life unless our life itself is changed. We can't cause anybody else to desire and want God unless we desire and want Him bad enough to live the life, to walk the walk, and receive the challenge. You see, there's still a great lot of things for the church world to do. I believe with all in my heart that we're right on the verge of one of the greatest outpouring of God's presence there is. And I say that with no reservations at all because I believe there's coming a time and there again, I'm not saying the whole world is going to come in. I'm just saying there's going to be a loud wake-up call. There's going to be a time when the Bible speaks about it being loud. Already it's beginning to sound a little bit, but it's going to sound louder and louder until God's people wake up arouse himself and realize, hey, he's coming and I'm not ready for him to come yet. I've got to get busy. Let me have some oil and I want to put it in my life. I'm going to make that last journey into the kingdom of God. Now when we talk about a last day revival, we think in terms of just the whole world wanting to be saved. But what you've got to understand is this is a latter rain. All right? This is the time when God perfects His people. I'm not sure exactly how many people is going to come in during that time. But those that are in, He's going to perfect them. He's going to work on them. And He's going to get them ready. The Bible says, The way is straight now, and few there be that find it. We have young people who care little for the Word of God or the house of God. We have old people that care little for the Word of God or the house of God. But yet, in the midst of all of this, we have some that is felt inside that they must keep themselves prepared. They must keep their house in order. They must always daily have a renewing of the Holy Ghost. Time when that joy reverberates through our life again. Even in the midst of our storms, we have to have light. We have to have guidance. That's what the lamps are for. The Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our pathway. The Word of God. Some of the things you heard tonight, as well as what you read, is a lamp unto your feet and a light to your pathway. But they must always be remembered as that. And walk in the light as He is the light. And realize hard times, yes. Good times, also. In the midst of that. Don't stop. The Bible says we have a more sure word. And God is 
working. I think he's working overtime. Sometimes on me. Anyway, I think he spends a lot of time uh, making me look into some of these things that used to make me shout. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't make me shout so much anymore. Not for a while anyway. Because he makes me look inside and say, what's he trying to say? I mean, sure, you look at it. Uh, when I first preached this, well, I preached that uh, wise virgins was those that received the Holy Ghost, and the foolish virgins was those that didn't have it. <laughs> it isn't what he's saying at all. What he's talking about at all. He's talking about everybody that had it, everybody that had an initial experience, and some that just let it fall away. Didn't take anything else just tried to make it through this life with the same dance and shout. Okay? As they had when they first came in to God's church. We've learned different than that, haven't we? We've learned that there are times when we just need Him real bad in our spirit. And we just need Him to come in and just touch us and put His arm around us and just love us. He doesn't make you want to feel like shouting, but he wants you want to look up into those tender, loving eyes. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your word, for your power, and for your love. And thank you for the substance that I have inside of me. Even though I don't understand what's happening, I still trust you. Take my hand and lead me through you, God. Lead me through I don't want to stumble in this. I don't want to fall in this. I want to walk through it. And I can't do it on my past experience. I have to have renewing in my mind. I have to think different than I thought before. I bet you wish I'd shut up, don't you? I have to walk different than I walked before. I've got to have something different than I had right back then. I need a depth, Lord. I need a depth. I need something solid. I won't ever go away. I need something that will be there when I'm as low as I can be. I want something that will be there. When I'm on the mountaintop, I want to rejoice in you. I want to love you just as much in those dark times as I do in the light. So I need something different, Lord, to be there. I know I've been there. I know it'll change your life. It'll change your outlook. I know that. I've been there. I've been there when I thought everything that I ever needed, I had. Until I walked seven years, almost eight years, sometimes in total darkness. And I had to realize I had to have, every day, a renewing of my mind, a changing of my mind, a relying on Jesus Christ that I never knew I would have to have. And I've walked that way then and I've walked that way just not too long ago. For I didn't know where he was at. I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know whether life or death faced me. I didn't know. But I knew that I had to have something inside of me that wouldn't turn loose of the power and love of Almighty God. And I found that in my prayer closet and in my Bible. I found it. 
I don't know about you, but I have to take time to find it. I had to search it out. And I had to believe it. That was a daily thing. A daily fight. A daily walk. But he was there. And he walked me through it. Now there will come a time unless Jesus comes. There will come a time that he won't walk me through death to life. I know that. There's going to come a time for all of us unless Jesus comes. But I don't want my life to fail man. I want him to walk me right into the grave and walk me right out of it. Hallelujah. I know he can. And I know he wants to. Father, thank you tonight. Your loving, kind God, and you love us enough, Father, to lay it on the line and challenge us. We pray tonight, Master, that we can begin to search our lives Begin to fill that vessel, God, along with our lamp. And allow you, God, to do something in our lives that you've never done before. Run us back into your word, Lord. Run us back into our prayer closet. Get us back, oh God, where we need to be. So you can fill our lamps. And it'll light the pathway into the darkness. God, it's no time. You young people back there listen to me, okay? Sean? We're praying. And it's serious. You guys want to talk, you do that after service. Now bow your heads with me. Father, we ask you tonight again to touch lives. Let the Holy Ghost move, God, and activate our lives. And some way help us to realize, Father, that we're not immune. It could happen to us any time. In Jesus' name.